Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast, brought to you by sponsorship with Titan Roofing. As always, I'm Mark Cockrell, a fan of the Tom Brady Buccaneers, and I'm joined as always by my friend Brian O'Leary, a fan of the next year Giants, and Gordon Bridgefield, a fan of the other 14 teams in the NFC. Gents, good evening to you both. Good evening, Mark. Good evening. Mark, how are you? As, as you might have realized from the, the brief intro, uh, tonight is our NFC preview night. So we will focus our attention on the NFC going through division by division. Um, our thoughts, prayers, predictions, um, lamentations on the, the state of some. Um, but it certainly proves to be a far more, I suppose, diverse and discussive uh, topic than the AFC maybe last week, because I'm sure there are a lot of strong opinions that will go in lots of different directions. But before we get to all that, Gordo, do you want to give us a bit of the news roundup on what's been happening around the NFL um, as we build up to week one, only moments away? Yeah, some interesting news this week. We keep it nice and sweet, and we'll kind of start with the running back uh, scenarios that are happening out and are playing out in the league at the moment. So Leonard Fournette, former Jaguars first-round pick, who, uh, again, was picked ahead of quite a few interesting players, has just signed with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Mark, on a one-year deal uh, for $3 million. Um, it's an interesting move. I think when you look at it, people are starting to question, like, is Fournette really going to play much in the Bruce Arians offense. Uh, he's not known for his hard-hitting uh, running backs. Uh, but it's interesting when you see some of the other running backs like Joe Mixon, etc., getting paid, and yet Fournette is playing a one-year, three-million minimum deal, uh, I suppose, again, within Tampa. But just an interesting move, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll give you my quick take on it. I mean, Fournette is only one of a few backs that went in the top five in the last few rounds, uh, last few uh, drafts. He is definitely not a Trent Richardson, but he's equally not Ezekiel Elliott. So, a solid player. I mean, he must feel like he's landed on his feet, though, because now he's no longer with the Jags. He's going to see a ton of seven-man boxes in that Bucks offense and could be invigorated. And, look, I remember one year when um, the Patriots ran out a uh, kind of a, a goal-line package, which was a 0-4 like no running back or sometimes a one-four, one running back and four tight ends because um, they had a very strong tight end grouping. Tampa Bay, and you can imagine, like could easily run out a one-three with Fournette, Howard, Breit, Gronk, and out of that run, pass, do whatever. So um, it, it adds greater flexibility. I think he's a solid running back. I think he's a great pickup by the Bucks, and you know he's going to enjoy it. I, I remember sadly or fondly, a divisional championship game, AFC championship game, the Jags Pats, where he ran all over them for three quarters of the game, and obviously the Pats pulled it out in the end. So I rate him. I rate him as a solid player, and hey, good news for him. I think the interesting piece will be to see. Yeah, so it's it, it's a big move for the Bucks. It's a it's another addition to the Tom Brady offense. I think what's kind of been said out there in the league is the likes of a Joe Mixon is getting paid, although their numbers are fairly similar from last season. Joe Mixon is a better pass-catching running back. Fournette is very one-dimensional. So I think that's kind of one of the downsides to Fournette. I think this will be his make-or-break year. If he has a big year, he'll get paid. If he doesn't, it could be out of the league for Fournette. And it'll be another one of those kind of early-round picks that the Jags have lost in the last uh, two seasons. 
uh, as they clean house there. I think sticking with the running back scenario, uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, future Hall of Famer, has been cut by Washington. Uh, he's come out today and he's kind of said it's a bit of a surprise for him. He pretty much has had all the first team reps for most of the training camp. Uh, but essentially the coaching staff came to him and said they're going to chance their arm with some of the younger guys. So yeah, Adrian Peterson will be or will we not see him sign for another team? He says he's still ready to play one more year. He's had uh, three teams already reach out to him today. And uh, what, he released around midday, give or take, airtime. And uh, he's already got interest from three teams. So I'd imagine, yeah, it came as a surprise, especially so close to the season starting. But yeah, he's still, I think he's still got enough in him to certainly help teams out. He's obviously not going to be the number one back, but enough to certainly help teams in difficult spots that players get injured. So yeah, I would, I would imagine he's on, a, he's on a roster quickly enough in the next few days. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been pretty solid for Washington the last couple of years and, you know, some good performances every now and then. Uh, as you say, Gordo, like almost guaranteed Hall of Famer, despite obviously the suspension and the personal issues he had in terms of um, domestic uh, abuse issues with, with his child. Um, but fifth all-time, I think, in yards, only about 1,000 yards behind the fourth place, Russia. Uh, fourth all-time in terms of rushing touchdowns, 111 rushing touchdowns. I mean, he has got the body of work as well as the one-offs, like the 296-yard rushing game. So... Um, certainly one that's uh, a throwback in some ways and still got a bit of gas in the tank. Uh, to round out then the running back news that we have at the moment, Alvin Kamara, New Orleans Saints running back. Again, you're kind of the new uh, era of running backs which are pass catching out in the backfield. He held out there of ca- training camp for about seven days. It was kind of, again, rumoured that it was due to the contract scenario. Uh, he's come out, thankfully, and he said he's not looking for the Christian McCaffrey sort of money. So he's not looking for that 16 million, but he's still looking for that kind of range of 12 million a year sort of uh, annual salary, which would again put him into the the top five running backs in the league. I suppose the question is, and it's been put out there by about about the Saints, they don't have the most cap space in, in the world. So if they pay him, they're pretty much giving themselves one year and hoping Drew Brees retires next season. So I'm not too sure. I don't know. Do you pay him or do you make him play out his... 2.1 2.1 million that he's left in his final year of his rookie deal. A great line, Gordo. I was just going to say about Brees. Like that's the that's the key thing, almost the key uh, domino to fall there. Obviously, the Saints have um, Taysom Hill on the two-year deal and think he could be the successor um, long term. But you know, Brees's money takes up a large portion, and in fact, they've had so much cap balance and challenges in the last while. Um, it's not a surprise they're, they're holding out on him, but equally you can understand Camera's um, dissatisfaction, probably one of the best two-way backs in the league. No, he is like one of the top three, I would say, two-way backs in the league in the last number of years. Constant production along with Michael Thomas. He is the Saints offense. And yeah, he sees Christian McCaffrey as soon as he becomes eligible for extension, get the Brinks trucks laid out. I think he just wants uh, something more than his... You know, it's not bad money, but it's still under a million, I think, under his rookie deal he's going to make this year and everything. So you can understand the man's dissatisfaction. All right. And then quick fire then for the last few bits of news that we have this week. Clowney, he is back in the news again for us. So three teams now I think it's down to, so they're making a hard push. The Titans, the Seahawks, and then, which kind of ties in with the Alvin Kamara story a little bit, apparently the New Orleans Saints are really pushing hard for him. 
So again, to sign up Clowney, be it to a one-year deal or again to a longer-term deal, he's going to require the big bucks. So it's an interesting one, but it seems to be down to between the Titans, Seahawks and Saints. I think it would seem the Seahawks or the Saints will be the two teams I'd be kind of saying are the likely outcome. But again, it's an interesting one to have somebody of Clowney's stature still available this late into the, the free agency market. All down last week that I fancied the Titans to make a move for him. Um, but yeah, just judging by what the news is saving, it looks like um, New Orleans have sent a number of the management team out to meet him now. They're really pushing to get him in. So I think the money is starting to make sense because originally he was looking for 20 odd, 20 odd million a year. Now when he went near that, and it's down to below 10, I think it's in the seven and a half range. So yeah, I think the Saints are making that push, like, like we touched on, this could potentially be true breezes last year. It's um, it's become a winner nothing situation for for the Saints, and it really shouldn't have been because you could argue they, they were robbed in that uh, championship game in 2018. And then last year, I think they were complacent going into the game against the Vikings, and they were beaten. So, you know, leading up to the past two years, you would argue that they were the... The best teams, and even the year before that, with the miracle play in Minnesota, you know, everybody thought they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So it's becoming a win-or-bust situation. It really shouldn't have been because you could argue they've been consistently one of the best teams for the past four to five years. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I think it's one that will hopefully get kind of decided in the next few days ahead of the, the start of the new season. And then finishing off in two slightly lighter news, news uh, bulletins. Uh, one, of course, have to celebrate whenever the big men uh, get paid up front. So Ryan Kelly has become the highest-paid centre in the league, uh, $50 million with the Colts. you got to remember those guys that just do all the pushing, how important they are. And again, it shores up that Colts offensive line is probably one of the most impressive offensive lines in the in the league at the moment. Um, so that was just one interesting point. And then finally, how can we forget about our QB drafts over the last few years? Josh Rosen has hit the news again in the last few days. Miami Dolphins apparently are offering him up for trade. So I suppose the big question is, who goes for Josh Rosen as their number two or even number three quarterback. Uh, and I'm going to put forward one of my numerous teams as one of the options. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers could step in here after what happened last year with Mason Rudolph, Rudolph and Duck Hodges, the, the duck caller. So I think uh, uh, Josh Rosen could be heading to the Steelers. Good show. I have to say, Gordo, I agree with you. It's a good show because they, they did just uh, make a move initially for Winston. Yeah, I know he ended up with the Saints, but... Uh, they did, they did look at him for a period of time because it looked like a move that would have made sense, you know, especially, as you said, after last year with two or three quarterbacks playing. So, yeah, yeah, but again, it depends what they uh, what they want to give away in draft picks. I mean, uh, you said last week they didn't have a fourth round this year. And that, they need to kind of stop throwing city draft picks away elsewhere, you know. Uh, I'm just going to say, guys, actually, the Ryan Kelly news, you know, came as a bit of a surprise to me. I'm not, you know, I'm going to say I'm not going to be the biggest fan of that particular piece of business. Um, you know, he's not in the class with Travis Frederick. He's not one of the top, I would say, in my view, top five centers in the league. And I think the Colts have overpaid. But, you know. Carter low centers don't set them What's that? I think, but I think, I think you're right, actually. I do think um, it was reported that in terms of grading systems of last year, he fell into like just about the top eight. So yeah, yeah, he doesn't make he doesn't make that top five as you as you require, Mark. 
So I think it's a bit of an overpay, but, you know, Colts have a bit of cap space and they are still building a team, so fair enough. And Rosen, I mean, bear in mind, the thing about, I, I, you don't want to feel too sorry for this guy, but, I mean, bear in mind, even when he was picked from high school to go to UCLA, he was known as the chosen Rosen. And they were already talking about him before he'd even started in college. And, of course, picked um, by the Cardinals in the first round and then usurped once Kyler Murray was available the next year. So he didn't get a fair record with there. He's had, obviously, you know, a time in a tanking Miami team or certainly a dysfunctional little bit Miami team last year in terms of their offensive talent. Um, so maybe he comes good somewhere, you know, or maybe he is just irretrievably broken. We will see. Um, speaking of which, then, as we just started off, and let's click things on to our NFC review. And we mentioned the Cardinals twice in that. So why don't we kick off, guys? about talking about the NFC West. And I'll be honest for you, if I'm thinking about the NFC divisions, it's a lot harder to have a very clear picture than what we had with the AFC last year. I mean, the AFC has been in somewhat of a stasis, so there's definitely a haves and have-nots. And if we kick off with the NFC West, we are talking about the 49ers, Seahawks, Cards, and Rams. And I'm very high on the Cards and their offensive capabilities this year. And I actually would put it to you guys, whilst the 49ers just came back from the Super Bowl and the Seahawks have been consistently good in the Carroll Wilson era, you could make an argument for any one of those four teams to take the division, and it would not be a massive surprise. Um, no, I don't think I'd buy into that, Mark. Um... There's teams I see progressing and I see teams that might be dropping back. Um, I actually think Seattle. I, I actually don't have Seattle make the playoffs this year. People might, might see that as a surprise, but just feel like things are catching up on them. Um, still have good players, Metcalf, wide receiver, Lockett, but um, didn't do a lot in, in free agency um, this year. And uh, look at the players they brought in. Um, uh, Dorset, wide receiver from the Pats. I would have thought he's kind of run his race at this stage. Carlos Hyatt, Bruce Irvin has come back, didn't do a lot when he moved off. Greg Olsen has come in, serviceable tight ends. But um, Technus, in terms of the draft, um, Jordan Brooks was, was selected. There was a lot of kind of saying whether he was really a first round pick. I know Pete Carroll keeps chilling it out every year in terms of getting to the playoffs, but comes a time and I just think maybe it's not going to happen. I think this could be the year. Yeah, I think in terms of looking at the NFC this year, it's we kind of touched on this briefly during the week. It's a more exciting kind of league, division to talk about because there is so many conundrums when you look at each of the individual kind of west, south, north, and east. I think in terms of the west, I agree. I don't see Seattle. I don't have them very high up this year. I think, they, again, you can never discount them. They're a very you know solid team. But for me, it's between San Francisco and I am very high on the Arizona Cardinals as well. I think there's just something really exciting about them. I want to be high on the Rams, and I do feel in terms of coaching setup, everything, they're really there. I'm just not sold on Jared Goff. There's just something about him. I think they have some of the best defensive players around, but just on offense, there's just something about Goff. He just, for me, doesn't seem like a quarterback that... It feels like he's a puppet quarterback in that he's being, you know, coordinated right to the core of every single thing he does including his checkdowns and there's just something about him just kind of puts me off so for me it's between the Cardinals and the, the 49ers and I think 
the 49ers just have done a great bit of business over the, the summer, and I'm kind of very high up in the 49ers this year. Great joined the Rams. I look at what they did in the offseason. I mean, they actually didn't have a first-round pick. Cooks is gone. Wide receiver Fowler's gone. Gordy, you know, people are saying it's time for him to move on. Corey Little, who's a really good linebacker, is gone. And then um, in the second round, they brought in a, they brought in a running back and a wide receiver, so there's going to be huge expectation on them. I, I think it's a rebuilding year for uh, the Rams. I think it's a case of they've had their opportunity. They just need to re, readjust again. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing the cars either, but I'll let, I'll let Mark come in on this one now. So. I, the one thing I'll defend the Rams on in relation to is McVeigh is still a great offensive coordinator, offensive mind, offensive head coach. Um, Goff, I agree with Gordo. I mean, obviously, since the Super Bowl, and it was kind of regarded as being somewhat found out in terms of the defensive scheme applied. I mean, you know, they've been in a bit of a lull. Um, but it wouldn't be an absolute shocker for them to come good again. Aaron Donald, obviously, still centerpiece of their defense, um, can drive a lot of um, dramatic change there and cause havoc along the line. Seahawks, I'm in actual full agreement with the two of you guys. I, I felt like for the last couple of years, they've been clinging on by their fingernails to this ability to drag themselves back into the playoffs and who knows what uh, could happen. Um, but the talent drain more so on defense, to me, has never properly been addressed. They still have a porous offensive line and don't really give Russell Wilson a chance as well. And they've never fixed that. And I, I agree, I think it's just the year it catches up. But again, like I say, it wouldn't be the biggest shocker if they somehow patched it all together and made the benefit of a, a down year for other people in the division. The 49ers, to me, are the class, and they would be my pick if you asked me to nail my colours to the mast on one of the teams. But I do think they're going to drop back a bit from their 13-3 season. I do think that there's um, they're going to have some challenges in a post-Super Bowl you know, scenario and loss scenario. Um I, just just on the Niners, Mark, the reason why I think well, I think we're all going to pick them. I don't know if Gordon's going to, but I think we all would pick them. And I look at their first five games. They start with the Cardinals at home. Yeah, okay, well, that could go either way, but I still think they'll win. They go to the Jets, they go to the Giants, they play the Eagles at home, they play the Dolphins at home. They could be 5-0. and home. They could be, absolutely. And look, their class is permanent, form is temporary, if you like. But... Um, They've got that Super Bowl hangover. You just never know how it's going to affect some teams. Yeah, I'm kind of, I, I am 49ers of the team I'm going to go with. I kind of just want to circle back a little bit just on the Rams kind of discussion we had. And it's to that point about McVeigh being the coach that we think he is. I, I'm a big fan of his. I do think he's hyped up quite a bit because of his persona, the personality that he portrays within the media of this, like, you know, diehard. It's every day, nine to five, coach, coaching, coaching, coaching. But I think when you look at the roster and you look at the offensive side of things for Rams and the wide receivers, if you just focus on them for one second and look at who they have, so two rookies in Tristan Jackson and Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, who's coming back from a serious ACL injury after the previous season, uh, Josh Reynolds, uh, Webster, and in Robert Woods. There's nobody that really stands out to you there. Obviously, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods have been around but Cooper Cup still needs another year to show that he is the Cooper Cup pre-ACL injury. And I just think then when you've got Goff managing that, there's just not enough talent for the Rams to really do much this year. So I do think it's a rebuilding year for them. And I think it is the 49ers. And then with the Cardinals, it's just, it'll be interesting to see how they all gel together after another year under the new systems they have there. Yeah. Where, where's all these standout players that you are going on about? Not necessarily players, but everybody's high in the Cardinals. It's like... 
a couple of years ago when people were excited about the books. I'm, I'm not seeing it. Seeing yeah, it. Well, Brian, I mean, okay, let's, let's throw it out there. In relation to the Cardinals, yeah, last season, obviously the first season, new head coach, new quarterback, there were some flashes of brilliance and some inconsistency. I, I'll be, admit I am a big fan of Kyler Murray. I think he's got what it takes to be a real genuine dual threat quarterback along the lines of a Watson, along the lines of Mahomes type of thing. I mean, I don't want to put him in that category just yet. Obviously, he's got a bit to go. But I think he's got a great degree of talent. And then you look at what he's got to work with there. Christian Kirk is an underrated receiver. He's got a lot of pace. He's a good route runner. Larry Fitz will somehow find a way to get 1,000 yards in the season, no matter what, whether it's in the slot or working it. And, of course, their big acquisition, albeit he seems to be causing some stirrings, waiting for his new deal, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, DeAndre's going to take double team nearly every single play. Um, I'm Which also means the guys, the underrated guys that you've discussed, well, not, not Larry Fitzgerald, but the other guys. Well, Kirk the is other guy called, I think it's called Schofield or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, have to step up. Drake at running back as well. Don't forget him, because he had a great showing in the last couple of games this season for them, and I think he's going to be a, a very useful pickup. True, but if I turned around you and said name the top ten running backs in the league, I don't think you'd be calling him Drake. No, I don't. I, I don't think you would. But I do think on the wide receiver side for the Cardinals, there's just something about them. You've got Larry Fitzgerald, who's still he 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 requ- he'll go up there. He'll catch any ball that you put up there. DeAndre Hopkins, as we said, is a double team every single match. And then I think the likes of a Christian Kirk has shown flashes. Um, again, the Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, Andy Isabella, they, they've drafted quite well in wide receiver and they have a very, very big wide receiver room. And to be honest, like once you've got two to three a all-star type wide receivers, that's what you kind of need within a team. And they have that minimum with Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins. So yeah, no, I don't know, just something about the offense on the Cardinal side that's exciting. But yeah, I think it's uh, one of those wait and see and can they gel. Their fourth round pick was, is a really good selection. Isaiah Simmons. He can play linebacker, he can play safety, he can play cornerback. He dropped down to five. There was talk of the Giants taking him forward, obviously with offensive line. But some people felt he wouldn't go high because there was no decision in terms of where he, where he fits best within the scheme. But this guy can play across across the board here. Really good player. And, and Brian, I'm going to give you two other names just focusing on the Cards' offense. I mean, their defense is has always played very tough and actually very good solid units last year but two more on the offense just thinking about like Drake you're probably right you've not won the top 10 running backs you called out but for their scheme and the way in which they play and what they need their running backs to do I would say he's one of the most ideally suited to it and they've got Chase Edmonds who I think is going to be you know a really talented backup from them there but I'll give you a name that you won't have heard of and might be interesting in fantasy this year Dan Arnold tight ends for them they didn't get much production out of the tight end position last year. Um, general noises seems to be that he's got really great chemistry with Murray. And once you've got someone in there that can block and catch, we've seen the power last year with Kittle, with Travis Kelsey, etc. The modern tight end has a big role to play in this game, and especially in that type of offense. So we'll, we'll see, but I think we're all agreed. 49ers, NFC West. We'll come to wild cards at the end. But let's move swiftly on. And Brian, I'm going to stay near and dear to your heart. We've been in the West, so let's go to the East, the NFC East. And I'm just going to throw it over to you, sir, to give us your read of your beloved Giants and the rest of the, uh, well, you would call them lots of nasty names, but I'm sure you're not going to for this podcast. The rest of the teams. All right, I'll start with the Giants. 
for the, for the first time in a couple of years, I'm actually quite positive about the sides. There's not many people who are. And, uh, but this, this time around, there's actually good justified reasons for it. Like we've got a good head coach, a good head coach that not a lot of people have, have bought into. But there's a lot of people out there who are writing a lot of negative things about the Giants, but they don't seem to have any background on their back of to actually why they're saying it. It's like an easy thing to do. But if you look at what we did in terms of free agency, brought in Bradbury, cornerback from uh, the Panthers, who was behind uh, Jones, who went to the Dolphins. Um, Logan Ryan signed this week, who you know where from, who stays with the Patriots. It's effective. He can play safety, he can play cornerback, great experience. Blake Martinez came in from the Packers. Um, they also brought in Kyle Fackler, who's a very underrated linebacker from, from the Packers. Andrew Thomas, solid selection in the first round. Um, bit of a blower, a second round, McKinney's got injured. But um, our defensive line, and people aren't even, well, Giants fans are noticing it. It's really, really young now. Dexter Lawrence and Lorenzo Carter and the X-Man, as we call him. So I'm not saying we're going to win the division. We're certainly not going to be in the top five in the draft next year. Um, I, I see seven to eight wins and hanging around in December, which we haven't hung around for for any year in terms of being competitive going into December. And I think that's the expectation this year. I think the biggest thing when you look at the NFC East, and it's one of these divisions, and I think Joe Judge is probably sitting there telling the, the roster this year, like, we've nothing to lose, we've nothing to be scared of. When you look at the likes of the Eagles and the Cowboys, like, the Eagles were 9-7 and seven last year, the Cowboys were 8-8. Eight and eight. It's not one of these divisions that there's anybody there to be super scared of. Now, I don't think the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl this year, but they most definitely have a chance of making the playoffs. So it's a massive improvement and step up from going 4-12 and 12 last year to probably making the playoffs this year. And I think they're very lucky because they've changed the entire culture. You listen to Joe Judge. Uh, there's a comment that came out about him during the week. And it was essentially about, like, I don't have time to be softy-soft. Like, you know, we're here to work essentially ahead of the new season because we don't have the preseason games. So he does seem to be implementing that Patriots way, which as we've seen can work or not work depending on who's implementing it. But Joe Judge seems to be someone that is really highly regarded. But I think the biggest thing, the Giants just have nobody to be scared of uh, within the NFC East will be my initial opinion because I don't think the Eagles were super impressive last year and I don't think the Cowboys were either and I don't think either team have drastically improved. So I think the Giants are probably sitting there kind of going... Like we can we can do quite well this year. So I just want to clarify, Gordo. Did I hear you right? The Giants are probably making the playoffs this year. I think no. What I'm saying is, I think it's a it's something that's achievable for them. I okay. think they can win enough games that it's achievable. I'm saying it's not like in that's that would be the max that they could achieve this year. That's the point. I'm, I'm with Gordo. Like most Giants fans' expectation is come December that they're playing in games. As you said, they probably fall short, but they're certainly playing teams that, depending on the result, they may not make the playoffs. Where well, we haven't had that for the last few years. It's been a given. We've joined have been a soft team for the last two or three years, but they're not going to be soft now with Judge. And just to, to your point, Corey, you're right with Judge. There's some of the stuff that's come out this year from impartial media people who aren't related to the Giants is that Judge is very comfortable in his own skin. Other guys who come in and try to do it the Bill Belichick way, we've seen it in the past, Mangini and... Other, other guys who have tried and failed but he seems to come across you know he said things the other day about Bill Belichick but he said it in a nice positive way and people are saying people tend to stop talking when they're challenged around their time with Bill Belichick he was very open had a laugh with the media he's coming across very well to the media the media very positive with him the players seem to be responding to him 
But as ever, as you know, it can be good now, but it's it's all relevant to the results. So we'll see how it goes. So, boys, I mean, you mentioned both of you mentioned the point. It's like, hey, there's not necessarily anybody to be the big bad wolf and to be scared of necessarily in the NFC East. And we focus quite a lot on the Giants, but on the other three, then, who do you think? Maybe they're not the team to beat or the scariest creature in the woods, but who's likely to take the division then? I think we might see if as God has touched on, I agree with him. I think it's a scenario where it will come down to the Eagles and the Cowboys, and I can see the same kind of scenario again. Like people are saying, "Oh, the Cowboys have a great setup there," but they've got a brand new coach. He's gone through COVID. You know, McCarthy for the last few years has been spoke about in a very negative light. He didn't get the Jets job the year before because people yeah. felt that his his offensive style was outdated, and he had to go off and. He, re-energize himself and come up with new plans. Obviously, he sold that to Jerry Jones. But we don't know if that's going to work. So, you know, yeah, if you look at the Cowboys, their roster, they're stacked. They're stacked on offense, defense, and realistically, you'd say they're a standout team. But Philadelphia, for me, the concern there is, does the, does the quarterback, does Wednesday fit? Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I think ultimately that will come down to who wins the division. If if he stays fit, I, I would say the Eagles might edge them out, but I, I'm not convinced he will stay fit. Yeah, I think it's the Eagles that are probably the most likely challengers here in this one to really put it up to them. But I think then within the Eagles, there is some concern. Like, as I said, is Wentz going to be fit enough and will he survive a, a full season? And then also the most recent news is that Zach Ertz has pretty much stopped negotiations with the organization because just the, the deal that was offered to them was even lower than what had been previously been negotiated earlier on the year. So there's some issues there when, you're, when your all-star tight end isn't happy. So... Yeah, I, I think it's probably the Eagles will be the ones I'll be looking at. The Cowboys, I just still don't think they're in the right place um, as an organization. They they seem to be signing talent, but it's this whole thing of how much of an if of a say does the uh, coaching side of things have in terms of the actual players that are being added to the roster. Um, but yeah, I think it's the Eagles will be the ones I'll be saying. Well, uh, sorry, Mark, just jump in. Just on 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 the Cowboys in terms of additions during the off season. Um, they brought in players um, that the Jeremy McCoy was brought in to, from, the, um, from the Panthers. He's gone for the season. Uh, they, they signed Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. They've never released him. So, okay, one's got injured and one's been released. But it's a bit strange that they were two of the, the marquee free agent signings. And for one reason, they're not going to play. C.D. Lamb, the wide receiver from the draft, who fell down to them. I didn't think that he'd be there at 18. He's a really good addition. So it'll be interesting to see between him Cooper um, and Gallup, if they can make if they can step up. Well, the the one thing I was going to say there though is the the Cowboys have generally drafted well in the last couple of seasons. I actually think it's a big addition by subtraction because I agree. You know, Mike McCarthy hasn't exactly excited the pulses of people, but he is a super winning ball winning coach. He has made the playoffs very regularly, constantly coached winning sides, and you know what? He's not Jason Garrett, where they have become pretty stale underneath. I mean, last season, if you're a Cowboys fan, had to be one of those where you were looking at games and thinking, we should have won more games. We shouldn't have been aiming late. We should have been 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Um, they just, they didn't have it in those close games. I think they're going to make a step jump just in terms of him using that talent. And of course, don't forget it, Zach's, Dax, Zach, Dax's um, contract year effectively now with not doing a long-term deal. So to me, they're the class of the division Eagles and Wentz, health permitting is second. And unfortunately, Brian, you know, 
the Giants will have a bit to climb in my book, to be honest with you. So we'll, we'll do, wait and do, see, but they've got a bit to go. go on, just, to fi- just to finish it off, there's one, one interesting point here, and it's quite a lot of NFL commentators are talking about this, and it's that Jason Garrett point in terms of head coach of the Dallas Cowboys just wasn't bo- just wasn't good enough to be a head coach the last few years. But it was being the point that was being made by quite a few people is he is a coordinator at heart. He is one of the better offensive coordinators to have come through the league in the last few years. So this could be a new year for Jason Garrett. And I think it would be really interesting that if suddenly you see the Giants offense outperforming the Cowboys offense, I think it says a lot about Jason Garrett because maybe, yeah, he's not cut out to be a head coach. Maybe it's a coordinator role and it will, I think it'll just be that'll be an interesting storyline this year. One thing that was got one thing that was lost in a lot of people, um, but I picked up on when I was reading stats. Cowboys offensively over the past five years have been in the top five, um, and our defense has been letting them down. But um, and so Jason Garrett's predominantly an offensive guy, but his <laughs> defensive side of the ball wasn't working. So yeah, so people kind of say that he didn't help Dak, and so that's that's not that's not true. And, and just to give full credit to every, well, full mention at least to every team, um, one last point on the Eagles is actually the wide receivers and the cornerbacks have been their problems and their downfall. And as you say, Brian, with the draft pick of um, uh, Sydney, and we'll see how it goes. But the Washington football team, as we're now obliged to call them, about uh, them didn't we? I start- and you know, it's about the rise of Dwayne potentially more than anything, or. Are they going to do it for the Gipper? Is it because of Ron Riviera's cancer diagnosis that they're going to band together as a team and remember the Titans and storm no. to victory? I think the biggest thing that I, I was literally about to bring this point up, I think in terms of the good old Washington football team, um, I think their main goal for the end of the year or objective is to just actually have a football name, a football team name come, come the end of the season. I think if they can get that part done by the end of the regular season, they'll have had a great solid year because they are not going to be doing anything else like they've got ownership trying to get uh, be pushed out by minority owners it's a shit show in washington at the moment so let them just try and figure out their their name first another another story dropped in as well about dan schneider having another sexual misconduct claim from 42 former employees of the washington football team against systematic abuse and misconduct they say is being perpetrated in the organization so Maybe a new yeah. name and a new owner might be a good starting point for them. I look forward to look, I look forward to seeing the the play from Chase Young to the second round pick. Sorry, the second pick in the draft. He yeah. looks like a real great player from Ohio State. Unfortunately, he's landed in Washington, so he he probably won't have too many successful years for quite a period of time. But they do have That's some good cool. young players. You know, Terry McKinnon, the wide receiver, he really stood out last year. We don't know what's Haskins. We just don't know if he's going to be. The Haskins that people were all talking yeah. about in the draft, or whether the guy that we saw came coming into games and celebrating, celebrating in the dressing room instead of being on the pitch taking the final knee when they won a game. So, the the one the one thing we said about Washington's pick is that was probably the most guaranteed locked in player in the entire draft. Obviously, you think I'm number one for obvious reasons, but the same token. Um, you know, this is like a Bosa, any one of the Bosas you like coming out or something. This guy's going to make a difference from day one. Um, they do have a great head coach going in there, friends. Like Ron River, like Riverboat Ron, he's, he really is. He's excellent. So. Yeah, we hopefully we'll make great use of him. Now, moving, I would say, to for me, this is probably the most simple division in the entire NFC, the NFC North. So 
I'll tell you what, guys, I'll give you my spin on this first and foremost. For me, it's pretty simple. Despite the Packers going 13-3 and last season, for me, the class act is actually going to be the Vikings, and they're going to walk this division. Um, yeah, the Packers are there, but then you're talking about the dregs of society with the uh, Bears and the Lions. Um, I'm not convinced still about Patricia. I'm not convinced in um, Matt Stafford, to be frank, in very many ways. And, of course, the le- less said about Bears quarterbacks, probably the better for all concerned, especially uh, the Bears quarterbacks themselves. Nick Foles, Mark, who, who won a Super Bowl against your beloved Pats? No, that, that's why I said the less said about oh, them. Oh, okay. Brian. That's sorry, <laughs> sorry. I just thought you were having a, having a pop of the guy. Nah. Um, I actually agree with you, Mark. I'm actually, I, I, I do think I, I do have the Packers making the playoffs. I have them in as a wild card, but yeah, I think um, I think the Vikings and albeit they lost the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs. I think that win in the playoffs against the Saints will actually help them. They have to realize they actually are a really good team because when you tend to find with the Vikings, they go to the playoffs and they lose very quickly in terms of the wild card. No, I really like that's that a free agency or not free agency the trade which they made in the past fortnight for Ngakwe from the Jags. I think they're starting to realise they've got a real opportunity here to push on. I mean, they got him in the end for a second, and I think it was a fifth. Like, a lot of people were saying it would have been two ones at one stage to get him in. They let Diggs go, but I felt that Diggs was going to be phased out slightly over the past couple of years. Adam Thielen is a really good wide receiver. They brought in Jefferson from LSU, who was a standout player during LSU's run to the championship last year. Uh, they still got Rudolph Cook as a great running back. They're stacked. Um, yeah, lot lot of noise from Diggs last year as well, Brian. Wasn't there a lot of grumblings about not getting targets? It'd be general like, across the board for quite a period of time. Cousins were coming out with some strange comments at the time that felt like he wasn't with the players. But then, obviously, when they won the playoff game, I think the players in the dressing room, if you recall, they were all celebrating. In particular, they were making sure he was enjoying the moment. So I think they were kind of. It was a rallying call to say that we are behind Cousins as our quarterback. I think it's an interesting one, and I think, yeah, it's fairly straightforward. I think for the Vikings, as long as they live up and, you know, follow through on Cousins' declaration, that only the fittest survive, and, you know, they, they, they'll come through the end of the year, and if not, they'll die a, a slow, painful death, you know, as in Cousins is more concerned about coronavirus at the moment uh, and coming out with some of the most weird comments ever. But I think they are the strongest team. I, I think the Matt Patricia stuff... I really don't know what's going on there. Um, like, is he a head coach or is he just sitting there using that pencil to scratch his arse? Because I don't fully... He hasn't really implemented many changes or brought the Patriot way to, to the Detroit Lions. So I'm, I was a fan of him, but he just seems to be kind of, I don't know, a bit lost in transition in, in Detroit at the moment. So uh, and then obviously... Scratch his arse. <laughs> I'm pretty good. Um, I'm just going. To, I just want to come back to that, Gordon, because it's the second time you mentioned the Patriot way, and and I don't mean to kind of bring Brian down on terms of the Giants, because actually Joe Judge, great coach in New England, um, was given special teams and wide receivers, were kind of strange mix, but that's how highly Belichick thought of him. He thought he could handle those dual duties, but if you look at the history of who can coach the so-called fabled Patriot way, it seems to be a very short list of Bill Belichick. And then a constant list of failures, whether it's Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cronell, Eric Mangini. Uh, I, I will definitely throw Bill O'Brien, my, uh, uh, Bill O'Brien and um, 
uh, Matt Patricia into that regard. I mean, arguably, Mike Vrabel already is the most successful proponent outside of Bill Belichick. So that, but, that he, but, he, he, but he wasn't on the coaching staff. Yeah, no, no, true. He did have some time with Ohio State and then some time in the linebackers of the Patriots on off-seasons and everything. But you're right. But he was regarded, I just want to say, as like a coach on the field very heavily by the team there before he got shipped off to Kansas City. So, but that's the ridiculous thing. You know, uh, can I make a point on the line? He's probably the, mo- the best exponent of it so far. For me, actually, I don't think it's that hard to take. Patricia is going to be the first coach sack this season. It's, I think it's inevitable. I look at what they've done in free agency, and you actually say, you know what, it's not bad. They brought in Collins from the Pats. Shelton has come in from the Pats. Font is a reasonably good quarterback. Allison, wide receiver, okay, not great with the pack, but he knows the division. The, the uh, cornerback they took in the, in the tour pick will replace Slay, who's gone to the Eagles. And then they've got really good pairs on offense, and when they're good, they're really good. Like, Holiday's good. Tylen Hawkinson... The running back they brought in was in the second round was supposed to be the one that was going to go. The fourth running back to go, but obviously the Chiefs took the other guy, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I actually look at it and go, do you know what? They've done reasonably well. But then I think, to your point, I don't have any faith in Patricia to get the best out of him. No, I don't think he's a, I don't, I don't think he's a head coach. And I think um, he's kind of showing that at the moment. I do think Detroit is a very hard place to go and be a head coach. It's, you know, one of those family-run uh, teams, there's there are always political issues there as well. I think on the Chicago side of things, I like at some point people have got to feel sorry for Matt, uh, Trubisky because all he, the only thing that he gets mentioned about is everyone that got picked uh, after him and how how many teams passed on him. And now you got Nick Foles there as well. There's nothing really happening in Chicago. You have to think that the head coach and GM duo up there probably on their final year in Chicago as well this year. Um, and then in, in Green Bay, I think it'll be very interesting. It's uh, the storylines that are coming out of Green Bay at the moment, or how uh, Rodgers is, you know, taking Jordan Love under his under his under his arm and sh- showing him the the way forward because he wants to leave a legacy where he's loved, not hated, etc. The only way Aaron Rodgers is taking Jordan Love under his arm is to try and apply a sleeper hold. Um, and you know, in Chicago, it's quite funny. A friend of mine who's a longtime Chicago Bears fan um, referred to to me about Mitch Trubitsky previously as Mitch the witch, um, except he didn't use the word witch. Um, and, uh, you know, Nick Foles for me is going to be the starter there. I think whether it's sooner or later he is. But on the Packers, now, as I say, it, it seems somewhat bizarre. They've got the best quarterback in this division. I don't think we would disagree with that at all. They went 13-3 and last year um, with a new head coach and, you know, kind of embedding a system. And yet, we're all convinced, not only us, a lot of people are convinced. They're saying, like, it ain't happening. And, of course, the off-season drama has a big place, part to play in that. But I'm going to throw out something there. I mean, how much of this impacts upon Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers' legacy generally? You know, we're talking about somebody who's won a Super Bowl. He's got the lowest interception rate of all time and things like this. But is he actually a good teammate? Is he actually a good leader? Brian? Well, I, I, I've made the point before whether I think he's a good leader or not. It seems to be something gone amiss with him in terms of his personality with, with other players in his dressing room. But I honestly thought this year, having gone to 18 and 3 and been one game away from the Super Bowl, that they really would have reinforced the offense because Adams, uh, the wide receiver, clearly needs another standard wide receiver to help him. He's been continuously double, double teamed. And he does, he does really well. He had a great season for them last year. 
they brought in funches on the cheap from Carolina, but then he's decided to opt out because of COVID. So, you know, I think we're back to kind of square one. And that's why I'm surprised again with the draft. They, uh, Julian Love is obviously the quarterback for the future. But they're in a win-now situation. Well, maybe not in a win-now, but potentially they've got two or three more years with Rodgers ready to go try to go to the Super Bowl. I, I thought they would have been putting players around them you know, on the offense to help them. And then even in the second round, they picked a running back, which to me means they're going to be run-orientated team predominantly with Jones and this guy Dylan from Boston College. It just doesn't... It didn't make sense to me. So I, I, I have to wonder, are they, are they planning to move Rodgers on sooner rather than later? And just my final point on that is he seems to have kind of come out here when he makes comments around the fact that he's realising he may end up playing somewhere else within the next two to three years. And he's getting his head around that fact. I think it's an interesting one. I think when you look at last season in particular, Rodgers was kind of, at the, to that point you say about Devontae Adams, who was the next best wide receiver? And I think as you went through the season with the Packers, it was depending on who Rodgers was feeling hot on that week because for one or two week stretches, there was a new wide receiver that would suddenly come up on top for, you know, amount of reception, yards, etc. And then when you look at the tight end room as well at the moment, I think that's one area you got to look at. It's Mercedes Lewis is the number one tight end at the moment in the Green Bay Packers, like a 15-year vet. Outside of that, they've got a rookie and then a one-year Evan Bayless. So like, like they're yeah, they, they, they have a young guy by, by the name of Sternberger and they're expecting big things from him. He caught a touchdown in the playoff game against Seattle. But apart from that, I never heard much of him last season. But you read the reviews and reports and you reckon he's going to come on. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you do find these players that are hidden talents that we don't really pick up on until two or three games into the season. You read it's okay, this is what they're talking about. Well, who, who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us all and storm the division because they'll make love, not hate. But we will... I, I still haven't gone to the playoffs. I think where it's going to come down to is they're going to the Vikings next week, week one. I'll be picking the Vikings to win the game. And I just think that they will do well because predominantly they, win, they beat the Packers, sorry, they beat the, Kelp, the Bears and they beat the Lions. And then they usually make, might square it off one and one with the Vikings. But... I just think the Vikings are so stacked this year, they'll, they'll win the division and the Packers will come in behind them in the wild card. I think we're all aligned on that one. So, look, let's go to the final division we're going to talk about, uh, final division we're going to talk about tonight in the NFC. If you like offense, you're going to love this division this season. So, we are talking about the NFC South. And we could talk about the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey, probably the most exciting, dynamic two-way running back in the game at the moment. We could talk about the Falcons with ex-MVP Matt Ryan and the stack of great weapons that he can utilize there. Or we could talk about two absolute Hall of Fame legends, absolute potential Hall of Fame coaches uh, who are very offensive-minded in the Bucks and the Saints. Guys, lots of different opinions, lots of different views on how this division might go. How do you see it? I'll go to, to Gordo first. I, I, to be honest, this is one of those ones where I think it could go anyway this year. Uh, and it's really exciting. Every week there's just new news going up. I think when you look at last year's uh, record, obviously the Saints ran away with a 13-3. and Buccaneers were 7-9. and Panthers 5-11. and And Falcons 7-9 and last year. Um, like To be honest, it just depends. I think the New Orleans Saints are still obviously the team to beat. And they have a roster that's you know, bring with talent. But I do think, as we touched on in the news round, etc., they're going to experience cap issues. Um, you know, is Drew Brees still the same quarterback that we've thought of the last few years? Is Taysom Hill going to play more 
QB or is he going to still be in this kind of, you know, running back QB slash wide receiver role, etc. So, um, yeah, I'm a little unsure, to be honest. I'm, again, obviously, I, I get blinded by the light and the stardom that's happening in Tampa Bay uh, and the Bucks, And I'm really interested to see, is Tom, is this just going to be like a Galactico offense that can actually play or... Are they all too many old-timers that'll just fall apart? Um, being brutally honest, I'm not 100% sure. I'm I'm up on the Panthers. I think the Panthers are a team to watch this year. I think they will improve. don't think they're going to do anything amazing, but I do think they're going to improve under Pat Ru- uh, Matt Rule. I don't think you offer a coach the sort of contract that he was offered if he isn't anyway decent. Uh, and they also have one of the younger offensive coordinators in the league, I think, as well. can't remember his name. Um, but I think it's probably... I'm going to go with my heart versus my head, and I'm going to go with the Bucks for this one. Brian, what's your thoughts on it? Oh, Gordo, Gordo, Gordo. Um, no, I'm, I'm happy with my selection. I'll be still sticking with the Saints to win the division. Um, you're, you're, you're discussing whether Breeze is still up to it. Yeah, well, I think maybe that was something that they looked at because they brought in the centre in the fourth round. They've improved their defence with Malcolm Jenkins coming in from the Eagles. One that people haven't picked up on, uh, and it's, it's has me on the radar, Emmanuel Sanders, who was a really good wide receiver, yeah. and he was with the San Francisco 49ers and nearly caught that long ball in the, in the back end of the sit ball. He's gone to the Saints. I think that's a really, really good pickup for free agency. Like they're stacked in offense as it is. You know, we touched on camera tonight. Michael Thomas, wide receiver. He's a really good receiver to have on the other side. I think the Saints are the, the juggernaut in offense, and it's a case of can they be slowed down and Usually what happens by the time it hits the playoffs, they seem to slow themselves down more so than other teams. You know, with, with silly mistakes and flags and then just throwing games away that they really should win. I look at the, the defense, it's still stacked. Adam Moore, cornerback, really good. Jenkins, Davenport's coming for second year. Jordan, I know, Mark, you love Cameron Jordan. Quality player. And then if Clowney does sign, I mean, Clowney can be inconsistent, but on his day, he's really good. He's a really good defensive player. I still think they've enough... And I, I do see the Bucks coming with a run this year, and I think the hype might be justified in terms of making the playoffs. But I still think the Saints will have enough to win the division. So just to throw in my two cents on that, and I'm glad you called out Cam Jordan, Brian. I'm a huge fan of Cam Jordan as a player, and I think he, he's great. And that clowny acquisition could be the game changer. You think of having them as two linchpins in relation to it. That would make that defense super scary, especially in the, in the division with people like Matt Ryan, with people like Tom Brady, who are de facto pocket passers. We're going to throw a lot from the pocket and you want to get pressure in on there. Um, I'm glad you also you mentioned the Sanders piece because one of the reasons I think the 49ers will drop a little bit is even though they didn't have Sanders for very long, he took some of the pressure off Kittle and the, the aspects there and he could add something else. Why Everybody keeps saying the Saints are loaded on offense, Saints are loaded on offense, but their offense is Cameron and Thomas. Like ever since they got rid of Mark Ingram even, they don't have that change-up option. And in fact, if you look at the amount of throws, even targets, to non-Michael Thomas wide receivers. Last year, it was only 56. Like, there is not the diversity, actually, in their game. Now, fair enough, Michael Thomas catches balls when he's quadruple covered, so it doesn't make that much of a difference. But we saw in the playoffs last year, they can be out-schemed on that. Drew Brees did slow down, in my opinion, as did Tom Brady, Don't be, you know, to be very fair, in the second half of the season. Uh, however, I do see Tom Brady being a little bit more enthused. I think 
This is not going to be the Michael Vick, Vic, Vince Young, Philadelphia Eagles dream team collapse. This is more going to be the Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos reinvigoration. And not only do the Bucks have all the obvious players, and we went through some of the tight ends, we've gone talked before about Evans Godwin. Uh, their wide receiver three, Scotty Miller, is uh, someone to watch out for, I'd say, in fantasy as well, and things like that. Fournette's acquisition. I think they're going to be a beast on offense. Defense, they're going to be a problem. I don't think they've got a great defense. But for me, I've heard a lot of people say the Bucs aren't going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make a wild card. I, I agree. They're not going to make a wild card. They're going to win the division. The Saints will make a plot wild card, but Bucks all well, the way. I guess it's a, it's a case of where people stand with Tom Brady because last year people said Brady is slowing down. And he, I wouldn't say he went, fell off the cliff, but his, from the Super Bowl where he beat the Rams to where he was at the end of last season against the Titans, he clearly had dropped in terms of his level of play. 100%. But, others, but then other people on the other side would argue, well, he didn't have players in front of him last year. Akil Harry was only coming in as a fourth-round wide receiver and Edelman has to do everything himself. So if Brady's still the player he is and then with all these weapons that he's going to have in, in Tampa, but I'm still of the opinion it didn't matter who he had last year, he just wasn't up to it. I think on the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side, and I think when you're looking at the roster here, and I'm having a quick look now, it's to the points we've already made numerous times. Like on the tight end side, you've got OJ Howard, who's going to be your number one tight end. And you've got Gronk, who's going to come in in those penultimate kind of third down situations. And he's going to be fresh because I think, I think, I don't think guys, Gronkowski is going to be played as much as people think. Like you've still got to remember he retired for a reason. So what you get, what you're going to do is you're going to play him in the moments that you need him because he's still going to be influential. And I still think OJ Howard is a really, really impressive tight end. But I think on the wide receiver side, you've got Mike Evans, who is possibly one of the best go-get-them sort of balls and uh, go-get-them sort of wide receivers. And to that point about Tom Brady, if he can throw it anywhere in the vicinity of Mike Evans, he's going to catch 90% of those passes. So that's that's where I'm kind of sitting at the moment with the Bucks. I just think some of the offensive talent is just too strong to ignore. Well, I will add one other name into that, Cam Brait. Yeah, very underrated tight end, OJ Howard, uh, Gordo, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like tight end, even they've got great names there, and and Gronk, even if he isn't catching anything in the run game, you know he is going to be a massive influence, uh, provided he's the Gronk of old. Um, one last point, and one of the reasons as well, I don't mean to pick on the Saints in relation to it, but I do think they're going to drop something we briefly alluded to last week, guys. The Saints, and you could say the same about the Seahawks as well, probably have one of the best home field advantages in the entire NFL. I do not think it's in a, you know, a stretch to say it's worth a game, game and a half to them each season in terms of the boost it gives them. They That's are- actually one of the points I, I was going to make earlier. I didn't get around to the, when I'm picking the Vikings. That is a little bit of a concern. You see the atmosphere in their stadium when they're playing home games with the, the skull and stuff. That's all going to go away to a certain extent and... It'd be interesting to see how, they, how that factors into games when they're at home. Yeah. But one team you haven't mentioned, and we've been so hung up on the Bucks and the Saints, the Falcons. The Falcons last year were 1-7, finished 6-2. Brought in Dante Fowler. Actually, I looked at it, and they brought in players that have a point to prove. Fowler, Gordy, Hayden Horst, the tight end from Baltimore, was really highly thought of a couple of years ago, and Treadwell, who was a wide receiver in, in Minnesota. So... Yeah. I actually have been making the playoffs too. Okay. Well, I think I think the biggest thing about the Falcons for me is just nothing excites me about them on offense. Oh. 
Uh, like, in, like you got Todd Gurley, who they've brought in again. He, like, is he even going to play this year? Is he going to last a game or two? Does he have it in him to actually play? Apparently, he's already hobbling in, 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 in the off season. There's just, I don't know, nothing that really excites me about it. And I think Quinn, Rob Quinn, or the head coach for the Falcons, um, is probably Dan down to again. Dan Quinn is probably down to maybe his last season as well in terms of its approval year. It's, it's definitely a minute bust for him. But I think what was interesting was how the Bears reacted to him last season because it was talk come midway of the season that he was going to get fired, and then they seemed to get re-energized and they finished six and two. Like you look at their offense, and I know you're yeah, fair point. You know, is Gordy going to be the Gordy that we know, or is he going to be the one that was injured? If he comes back to anything like the Perry was, he'd be a good addition. And then Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley are two really good wide receivers. And guys, I mean, it's it's the Boston College alum. It's Matty Ice at quarterback. I mean, look, if you want to weigh up, okay, let's not talk about Super Bowl rings, but if you want to weigh up MVP trophies, he's got one more than Drew Brees. Like, Drew Brees got one in the Super Bowl, but he never got a regular season one. Matt Ryan is a good, good quarterback and get the ball in the right place. I think the Falcons are a team, actually, for you know, we're talking about who's going to win the division. And we're saying that the, the matchups when the Bucs play the Saints next week and week one, and then they play each other in week 17. But the games against the Falcons in between that would be really interesting because I can still see the Falcons picking off some of those games and winning them. Oh, no, Brian, it's actually funny because, well, I, I just wanted to finish my point is that Matt Ryan's a good, good quarterback. He can definitely get them to the playoffs, but I would not trust him with my life in the playoffs. And like you, actually, I have... Uh, in my predictions, I have the Bucks winning the division, but I have the Saints and the Falcons both getting wild cards. And my third wild card is the Packers, which means I'm Xing out the Seahawks. I don't think they're getting there. And I don't think, I think only one team is coming out of the NFC East as well, yeah. which will be the Cowboys as division winners. It sounds uh, like we're on the same page with, it, with a few different uh, changes in terms of division winners. Yeah. Uh, Gordo, just to close out the, the realm there, and, and we've heard your division winners, but. Which three teams would you pick then to get the wild cards? So I, I, I think there's probably two coming out of the NFC East. So I think um, it's the Giants to win it. And then I think the Eagles potentially coming out. But winning the division, Gordon? Yeah, I, I do. I, there's something there's something about this year. I just, but again, I think they're going to fall short. I don't think they're going to get much further. I think is in it, there's going to be a point. It's like it's going to be a thing. They're going to hit a point and they're going to fall but I do think they're going to improve drastically. I don't think the Cowboys are going to do much this year. There's just something about the Cowboys. I'm not sold on them this year at all. Um, I just don't see it. Uh, 49ers, as I said. Uh, Vikings, I was on with as well. And then I had the Bucks, and then obviously the Saints uh, as my second wildcard team. And then in terms of my third one, it's probably the, the Packers. Okay. Um, I've just noticed on ESPN there's a bit of breaking news that on the Irish NFL podcast going forward with implementing mandatory drug testing for Gordon Bridgefield from drinking too much of the Kool-Aid that Brian O'Leary sends over to him. Or if we make the playoffs, I'll I'll buy you points and we'll go out for the World Cup game. Exactly. It's It's winning the division. Yeah, so we're in the playoffs. Happy days. Unfortunately, I haven't picked them. I am going to go with Dallas. I have the Saints winning division. Uh, confident in the 49ers and I have the Vikings winning the division with three wildcards as it happens are the same as Mark um, I have the Falcons and I, but I have the Bucks so three teams in that division and I have the Packers as well no particular order 
Yeah, I mean, the the other thing about the NFC South, I was going to say, is that the Panthers, much as I love McCaffrey, Matt Rule must be cursed in the days. Like, he's taken this massive deal on, but he hasn't had his proper chance to work with his players, and now he's going into one of the most loaded divisions offensively that he's going to face. So, And he's got a young team, so I see them being a bit of a walk over there. Um, but guys, the best thing is we don't know until they actually play the game. We don't know until we start seeing. We don't know until certain players get injured or get coronavirus or actually we get the new breakout stars when certain rookies come out of nowhere like Antonio Browns in fifth rounds and things like this, you know, or Russell Wilson's in third rounds. You know, uh, there used to be an ad campaign and that's why we play the game. Um, and that's what the excitement is all about because God knows some of these are going to prove to be horribly wrong and some, you know, God willing, will prove to be horribly right and we inevitably look forward to it. The season will kick off next Thursday. Uh, the usual openers applying and then the Sunday night double header, effectively for those of you with Sky will be, oh, it's a little bit of a dance party in my pants, I suppose. It's Miami and Patriots, and then straight followed with TB, with the TB Buccaneers against the Saints in what should be a great cracking game. Um, Before the season kicks off, we will do a prod with the rundown of all the week one games, and we will give our definitive conference predictions and Super Bowl predictions, which we will lock in there and then, as well as an MVP suggestion. So, Gord has already said he's picking the Giants. It's it's done. He, <laughs> um, I did imp- intentionally open with the next year Giants, but um, hey, they've won Super Bowls from improbable positions before, and God knows, I know as a Patriots fan, um, that you know that pain of how it can happen. So we will see. Um, but gents, anything else you want to round up with in terms of a? Final prediction in the NFC? No, I'm not just uh, confident. Uh, not next week, but just generally. Generally, just, it's, it's great to be in a situation next week where we actually do get to pick Super Bowl picks and, and week one picks because for quite a long time we were all concerned there wouldn't be a season. But thankfully, we're nearly there now and let it, all, let it all start next week. It's going to be really good. Yeah, I'm just excited to see how the season's going to kick off. I think, to be honest, no matter what predictions we make, I think this is going to be, and we said this one of the very first episodes, this is going to be one of those football years where anything goes. Uh, teams are going to get affected. Players are going to go down. And I think it could just throw up some absolute, just wild ones by the end of this year. Well, gents, it's funny. We, we were talking about Aaron uh, Rodgers, and I'm going to close with a couple of thoughts on him. It was initially when I heard the news about... Um, the Packers drafting Jordan Love, I kind of wondered, was he playing a bit too much human league and saying, don't you want me, baby? But ultimately, it looks like to me, it's more the joy division and love will tear us apart. That's what's happening in Green Bay. Look forward to talking with you next week again, guys. As always, brought to you in association with Titan Roofing, this has been the Irish NFL podcast and we'll talk to you all again soon. Good night.